We could use our data to empower our members, then actually capture the value that was being created in the form of lower cost insurance, better access to care, lower premiums, more profitability. This is Techcetera, a podcast by Ericsson about the intersection of technology, culture, etc. I'm your host, Sarah Goss, and I'm head of innovation at Ericsson. Finding the right doctor isn't always easy. With the exception of only three countries in Asia-Pacific, the average number of doctors per 1,000 people is lower than the OECD average, with many patients forced to travel hours to whatever doctor is available. In this episode, our guests discuss how seamless connectivity will power advanced telehealth, the Internet of Things, artificial intelligence and more to revolutionise healthcare for the future. Today, you'll hear from Cole Surchek, founder and CEO of DocDoc. A narrow escape from tragedy inspired Cole and his wife to found DocDoc, a system-wide solution that takes the stress and confusion out of healthcare through an AI-driven doctor discovery network called Hope. You'll also hear from Abhinav Lal, co-founder of Practo. Practo is a health platform and technology company with a mission to make healthcare more affordable and accessible for over a billion Indians, leveraging technology and data to enable patients to make more informed and better healthcare decisions. So, let's dive in. Cole, I'm really fascinated with the story behind how you founded DocDoc, which began really with overcoming an almost unimaginable situation. Can you tell that story? Sure. I had just flown in on a red eye from London and my wife says to me, hey, Rand, is uh, she has to go in for a 100-day checkup and would you mind taking her? And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. And so I, I you know, collect Rand and her goods and we go to the pediatrician to just do this checkup. It's a very standard checkup. And he looks at Rand and he says, hey, you're jaundice. You shouldn't be jaundice. And the next thing you know, I'm surrounded by surgeons in a tiny room. And the surgeons are telling me that my daughter's liver is failing. And there's a massive operation that they need to do to hopefully, you know, buy her enough time so that she can grow big enough to have a liver transplant. I was asking questions like, so what is this going to cost? And they wanted to know what kind of insurance I had. You know, I, I asked the, the surgeon, well, you know, how many times have you done this procedure? And the surgeon's answer was, I was the head of the department. I'm good at my job. They were literally not answering any question I was asking that would allow me to have any control in the situation at all. I really just found that to be just a horrific customer experience. And at the same time that was happening, my wife had shown up. And she had a lot of friends in the medical community. And so she called uh, one particular surgeon who was one of the top pediatric cardiac surgeons in Asia. And he says, you probably have to have this procedure done, but you have to have it done measured in weeks, not measured in hours. And so over the next 24 hours, we did a global manhunt to find the kind of best pediatric liver transplant teams in the world. And the inventor of the live liver transplant and the pediatric live liver transplant was based in Kobe, Japan. The team there was the highest volume in the world. And so we flew there and we did the first procedure there. And then we flew the whole team back to Singapore and did the first transplant in Singapore. And I was the donor. 
And uh, when I got the bill back, it was 60% cheaper to bring the world leaders in than what the other team eventually told us that, that, that they were going to cost. And it was at that point that I realized because information is so opaque in the medical field, literally what you pay and what you get aren't even correlated. And so I said to Grace, this market failure is completely and utterly unacceptable. If we don't take on this fight, who are we as humans? And so we both quit our jobs and we took on this fight and away we went. What a remarkable story. I feel a little bit shell-shocked hearing it, but I can't imagine how shell-shocked you were at the time trying to process everything that you were seeing and hearing, but also not hearing, as you say, the not getting the answers to your questions. Abhinav, you also have a personal story behind the founding of your company, Practo, and your ambitious mission to deliver affordable and accessible healthcare to billions of Indians. Tell us more about Practo and how it came to be. Actually, me and Shashank were doing our undergrad together at university. And then Shashank's dad actually got diagnosed with something and he needed to get a surgery done. This is back in 2008. And again, the same thing, right? He got all the information, what is needed. And then one of his relatives who is a doctor said, hey, I have this other friend in US who is like one of the best surgeons globally. And it would be good for you to actually have a conversation with him. And then he reached out to the doctor and the doctor was like, okay, I need all your dad's medical history. I need all the data. I need all the reports. I need what has happened to him in the past. And back in India at that point of time, very, very small percentage of doctors were using any any kind of technology. And one of the doctors was like, oh, my software doesn't have an email button. So I can't really give you this data. I don't know how to actually get it out. So that's when we decided, hey, we really need to kind of make it easier for consumers to actually understand the healthcare journey, to understand what's happening, to have access and kind of put patients at the very center of care. But we knew that it's going to have to start with doctors. So... That's where we actually started. We're building a software product for doctors, but we took a very different approach from any traditional EMR company. You've both touched on market failures or gaps or problems in the healthcare industry where you saw the opportunity to make a difference. And in your instance, Abhinav, you've come from a technology background. Do you still see yourselves and Practo primarily as a technology company or are you a healthcare provider? So we have kind of had this dual identity for quite some time. Uh, We actually started as a peer-to-peer technology company. We're building software for doctors. And then we actually transitioned into becoming a marketplace for doctors. But as we have kind of gotten more into the industry, we we have clearly found out areas where we felt the existing infrastructure, existing supply, existing providers were not really catering to. So just to give you an example, online consultation, we actually launched our online consultation platform in 2016. And that's when we decided to actually create our own medical team, hire our own doctors, creating our own medical protocols, creating our own thing, because we've created hundreds of treatment protocols specifically for online consultation, because you don't have the vitals, you can't really touch the patient. You really have to kind of understand and and be aware that in certain cases, okay, this is something that I can't really handle in online consultation. I need to ask the patient to actually visit the nearest clinical hospital. So that's kind of where we have started transforming into a healthcare provider. And that's how we see it. Even though technology is very core to Practo, and we are trying 
to use technology to kind of improve the quality of care, make it more accessible, make it more affordable. But we have realized that, that definitely there are certain areas like tertiary care in India is where we believe that the existing infrastructure is amazing. So we, we were a technology company kind of being kind of helping the healthcare provider. Today we see a healthcare provider powered by technology. Cole, tell us more about DocTok and whether you see yourselves primarily as a technology company or a healthcare provider. Is there even a distinction today? I think DocTok is best understood as an insurance company. What we came to learn along the way is if you really wanted to transform the industry, it was going to simply be easier to build an insurance company from scratch and put in world-class technology around medical cost and quality and to provide that data to patients in a way that aligned incentives. It was easier to do that than it was to convince existing insurers that they should work with us. So we just made the decision that as opposed to trying to enable the industry, we'd go ahead and come in and and compete head on by offering a higher quality, lower cost insurance that helped the members in their time of need make informed decisions about their care with data. We simply give the member the data that we wish we had if we were in that decision. And that's always the litmus test. If it was my mother sitting there, what would be the data and how would I package that data to give her that would enable her to make the decisions that she needs to make for the situation she finds herself in? Avanav, not everyone has access to the best doctor or even a choice of doctor, especially in low-income and regional communities. How do you at Practo overcome physical limitations in the delivery of healthcare or the access to health data as an online platform? There has been three major trends that has actually made accessibility a lot more, at least in the primary care segment. So the first thing that has happened in India specifically is the introduction of sub $100 smartphone. The second thing, of course, that happened is the introduction of 4G in India back in 2016, which also made the data extremely cheap. And the third big change that happened in India was introduction of UPI, which is Unified Payment Interface. So when we actually launched our online consultation platform, and specifically during COVID, when we actually saw it grow by almost 25x, we had consumers from more than 1,000 different cities across the country actually use the product and talk to a doctor sitting at their home. And the second thing that we were able to do, as, as I talked about earlier, which is actually having our own medical team, as we created the protocol by merging our providers with our technology, we were able to actually bring down the cost of a consultation to 3 to $4 for online consultation, which is actually significant reduction, not just in the cost of consultation. For most of these consumers, actually meeting a doctor meant traveling 50 kilometers, 100 kilometers to another city, another town where you actually see the doctor, the fare, you have to actually maybe stay there. All of that cost combined and you actually lose your income for that day because you actually have to be out of the home. Now a consumer actually sitting at their home, they need to take 15 minutes out of their day and they can actually talk to a really high quality doctors sitting in an urban setting and just pay three to four dollars to get that consultation done. So that's something that we are very proud of, of what we have been able to bring to the consumers in India and get closer to our goal of actually providing healthcare to a billion Indian. We have about 300 million consumers who have used Practo over the last eight years. We have been there, we still have the, the remaining 
750 million consumers to kind of cover. Cole, what's your observations of the role of connectivity? What are the possibilities? What are the technologies and services that you believe high quality connectivity like 5G might unlock for DocTalk or the wider healthcare industry? I don't think the biggest problem that we face is connectivity. I mean, we're sitting here and we are, you know, streaming real-time video and real-time audio. And at the point when you can do that, that technology at that level enables a tremendous amount of uh, functionality. The problem that we face in the industry is about interoperability of data standards. It's about breaking up the you know, individual silos that companies try to form to defend their own business interests. Obviously, more data, more bandwidth is, is more value. And we are not actually that far away from having handheld MRIs, other very sophisticated diagnostic devices that could use a huge amount of bandwidth. But one of the common themes that I, I see happening in that global health space is people are always pointing to the future and how good things are going to be in the, right around the corner. And they're doing that almost to excuse how bad things are today. And to kind of say, hey, don't look over here. Don't look over here at Mr. Hospital that's charging $5 an aspirin. Don't look here at the fact that in most markets, most pharmaceutical companies don't even know what the retail price of their drug is particularly in Asia, because those drugs are administered. They are purchased wholesale by the specialist or the general practitioner, and then they're sold at whatever they want to sell them out to the retail. There's just a tremendous amount of room in this industry for data transparency. That's the single biggest thing that will drive improvements in the efficacy of care, the cost of care, and the availability of care. I know that DocDoc Doc operates across Singapore, Hong Kong, Indonesia, the Philippines as well, I think, all in their way, I suppose, having uniqueness in terms of geography and population. Are there any specific, like country-specific healthcare challenges in those markets that you observe? Singapore has done a remarkably good job of building a public sector. They've built a really good safety debt. I think that that's something that Indonesia and Malaysia would do well to emulate. Because in all of those markets, the single largest cause of personal bankruptcy is medical bills. And, you know, it's one thing to be able to declare bankruptcy yourself. It's another thing to be able to declare bankruptcy and still not hit some kind of social safety net that helps you. And so I think Asia, if they ever want to kind of get their savings rates up and really become massive consumer economies, they're going to have to build social safety nets and, and, and the basis of that's healthcare. So that's kind of how I see the two markets breaking between kind of developed Asia and developing Asia. I saw in a report recently that if they can keep the average Singaporean healthy for three months longer than they currently are in their life, they'll save $20 billion a year. So I think that those markets are going to be more focused on longevity medicine and how to expand health span, where I think that more developing Asia is going to spend a lot more time focused on access to basic primary care access to basic infectious disease control. Yeah, and also that point of the ageing population and the demographics. I think as improved healthcare has helped people live longer, and I know in many instances there's a resulting resource shortage which is forcing 
the industry maybe to look more and more to technology and perhaps opportunities to deploy automation or remote treatment and even artificial intelligence. And there is a role, I think, for AI systems to provide physicians and researchers with clinically relevant and timely information. So can we pick up on that, Abhinav? Do you see artificial intelligence, machine learning, those types of things as a support for doctors or dare I say it, possibly even a replacement for certain parts of their role? As we have spent more and more time understanding the science part of medical science is still kind of evolving. We don't have definitive answers on a lot of diseases. We still are treating a lot of diseases by suppressing symptoms than actually curing them. So I think we are still in a very early days. The AI is as smart as what our knowledge is. So I think the place where I think AI is going to play a very important role is actually accelerating the rate at which the discovery is actually happening. So I think that's very, very important. The second part which we have seen, and this is true for a lot of countries in India also, this is actually growing quite significantly. The amount of time providers and doctors are actually spending on administrative work is extremely high. And as we kind of take away a lot of operational part of the work the doctors are doing today, actually collecting information from patients, asking the right questions, having access to old data, surfacing the right signals, doctors can actually spend a lot more time in patient care which I really think is the another area where AI and ML can have very meaningful impact on healthcare. So these are some of the things that we are kind of exploring at this point of time and that feels like can have something more meaningful come out in short period of time given the speed at which AI and ML is moving. I wonder, Cole, what you make of AI, other assistive technologies and the like, and what that might mean for the future of healthcare when we are trying to keep the patient and human beings at the centre of our healthcare and our model of care. We're already seeing like chat GPT-4, we're already seeing some of its best applications being in the healthcare domain. And I think where you're going to see them play a much larger role is in patient empowerment. So you're going to go in and say, I have these symptoms. I'm taking these prescriptions and I had this for dinner and chat GPT is going to say, oh, well, you know, you, that meal probably had soy and soy is, you know, counteracting with your metformin. I mean, you've already heard the concept of Dr. Google, you know, and the first place people go when they get sick and they are, they have an issue is Google. And that is going to very, very quickly become, you know, chat GPT four. So patients are going to be going into their care with a lot more information than they've ever had in the past. And I think that as a whole is a very positive thing. I also agree that ChatGPT, as an example, but AI more broadly, is going to do a very good job of getting many aspects of the healthcare journey organized. I think there's huge roles for using ChatGPT to help insurance get organized, help hospital billing systems get organized. Those scenarios are not in the too distant future, as you're you're pointing out. And I mean, this is the start of the healthcare transformation and we all want it to be successful for better patient outcomes and to enable our doctors to do their jobs better and so on. Abhinav, from your point of view, how do you see this playing out? There are a lot of 
different players, as Cole has highlighted, some whose interests might be at odds maybe with the direction we're headed in. Where do you see, for example, the role of collaboration between different players being important? From a collaboration perspective, what we are seeing is, specifically in context of India, the relationship that patients have with all their different providers are very transactional in nature. And you're kind of moving from one provider to another provider. Each of them are kind of looking at you completely in isolation. And and that's not how our bodies actually work. Everything has such deep connections. But just look at your major organ systems. The kind of correlation they have is phenomenal. And that's what we have been trying to see. For you to manage your health better, all the different parties in healthcare involved needs to come together. And whatever small experiments that we have done at Practo as a way to kind of see what's possible, the results have been phenomenal. So we actually launched diabetes remission program about six months back at Practo. And what we ended up doing is actually bringing the diabetologist or endocrinologist who is actually managing the patient, a nutritionist, a fitness coach, a yoga trainer, and a therapist together to call form a MDT, what we call multidisciplinary team. And they actually meet the patient together, all five of them, and then have a conversation together, which sounds so obvious. Sounds like, of course, this is how it should be. But it was such a difficult barrier to actually bring all these different people together into a room and saying, hey, this is what you really need to kind of come together. We have patients who are pre-diabetic and who have actually seen tremendous outcome from this. We have patients who are obese and they have seen tremendous value in such programs where you are actually bringing all this thing together and collaborating and providing great outcome to consumers. What a fantastic case study in what good looks like. And I might throw to Cole for a similar story from your perspective that you might want to share the different levers that can be pulled and where you've seen in your work at DocDoc that really creating positive outcomes. Most people don't think about their diet unless they have a health scare or they have some reason to be aware of their diet. I think what's going to start happening here is we start having personal digital assistants that play a greater and greater role in our lives. They're going to start nudging us in very positive directions. You know, get more sleep, get more exercise, avoid processed sugars, avoid hydrogenated oils, eat more green leafy vegetables. You're just going to start seeing these things that we're, we all kind of consciously know we should do more of, but it took exceptional discipline to get there. I think that AI is going to gently nudge us that way. So I think the big thing that we're going to start seeing is AI is going to become a wickedly effective tool to modulate human behavior. On that note, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Cole Surchek, founder and CEO of DocDoc, and Abhinav Lal, co-founder of Practo. We've had an all-encompassing conversation about the future of healthcare and how it's going to be more patient-centric and empowering for people to give them greater control over when, where, how, and in whom they engage for their healthcare needs. And I'm looking forward to that. Thank you again for joining Techcetera. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to Tech Cetera, 
a podcast about the intersection of technology, culture, etc. This podcast was produced by Ericsson. For 130 years and counting, Ericsson has been innovating to deliver the best of mobile connectivity and broadband to billions of people around the world, driving positive change in every sector of our society. To find out more, head to our website at ericsson.com. To guarantee you don't miss an episode of Techcetera, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Sarah Goss, and I'll be back next episode with more Techcetera. Thank you.